together just a week ago. And now you're going to get like three weeks off after this, which is awesome. Um, we talked about this word thrival. Thrival. And I actually said out loud that there's more waiting for you beyond the edges of your life. And when I talk about the edges of your life, what I'm really talking about is the fact that many of us like stay on a surface kind of level a lot of times. Many of us, um, we operate on automatic, you know, autopilot. And we kind of find ourselves in these rhythms in which we're not really kind of penetrating the surface. We're not going deep at all. And so I was saying, hey, there's more beyond the edges of your life. It's really there. I promise you 100% it's there. We talked about survival mode. And I define survival as you remain alive. <laughs> you remain alive to continue to live or exist, especially in spite of danger or hardship. We talked a little bit about what survival mode looks like. We mentioned words like exhaustion, depletion, fear, scarcity, desperation. Kind of when you're in that space and in that mentality, how you're functioning. The fact that it can actually drain you. And then we talked about this word thrive. And we, a lot of those words were different when you think of thrive. You think of like energy and you think of life and you think of being replenished. And you think of like adventure. And so then we created this new word, thrival, which is like what I'm saying is on the other side of survival. Like we're going to inevitably enter into modes of survival. Sometimes it just happens. But it's the idea of like what's on the other side of survival? What's over there? And so we defined it as more than existence. More than existence. We defined it as truly living on the other side of survival. We said it's when you grow in strength and depth and you learn to become resilient. It's this idea of flourishing. Like when I threw out the definition, it was like thrive means to flourish, to grow vigorously. And so there's these words attached to thrival for us. Movement, progress, risk, life, energy, adventure. Now, we got to take it a step further, right? Like, because we had two weeks back to back. So it's like, let's stack two talks on top of one another. I don't think any of you have actually experienced survival mode until you've entered a haunted house with a bunch of middle school girls. Because <laughs> I've done that a lot. And that's survival mode, FYI. We went into this one haunted house down at Elitch's, I kid you not, and they're making you stand outside, and there's this door, and they close the door. They push the group ahead of you into this room. They close the door, and then you see this timer going, and it's got 60 seconds, and it's counting down. And when it gets to zero, all you hear is people scream, and you see water shoot out from the edges of this door. And you're thinking, oh, no. And like, it's awful. And then so it's our turn. And by the way, the guy who's prepping you to get you in the room, the clock restarts at 60, but you don't actually get to enter until like around 40. And you're all just kind of like, dude, the timer's going, the timer's going. The door opens and he pushes all of you in there. And we all go into this pitch black room. And we're thinking, all right, as soon as this thing goes off, we had like 28 seconds now, 35 seconds, whatever. We're like all looking around. You're going around the room. And you're just tapping everywhere. There is no door. No door in this room. 
And then someone finally, one of the middle school girls goes, there's, there's a hole over here in the corner. And so everybody starts trying to crawl through it at once. That's desperation, right? That's your, people are pushing. We're all trying to go. I'm, of course, the adult. So I'm like, after you, you know, yeah, like I'll be in the room, whatever. And like everybody's trying to go and everybody's trying to go. And then we get there and like nothing even happened. They rigged the door with like hoses and stuff and it just shoots water out. And it was just to create paranoia. That was it. Nothing even happened. But we're all like tripping over and pushing each other. It was awful. Like survival mode, desperation, that feeling of operating out of like, oh my God, like, you know, you feel the adrenaline, it's happening, what can I do, how am I gonna get through this? Ugh. You're worried about something more than likely. I know last week we definitely connected the word fear to survival, because like that's a very real thing when you're in survival mode. Another survival mode story I wanted to share with you is when we were in Texas, and uh, we rode this thing called the Texas Star Flyer. It's awful, awful. It's on this pier, and it goes up really high, and it's just like glorified swings up in the air with probably less protection, like when you're sitting in the thing. And like I rode it, I think, first. I rode it with one of the boys. And because I do okay with rides. Spinny rides, not so much, but this one was like slow, and it's whatever. Man, we rode it at night, and the lights were going, and it felt like sketchy anyway. It's, it's on a pier. Don't those things get rusty, and like they start to fall off? Yeah. Like, you're just not sure about the safety in place. And it takes you up high. And I'm riding this thing with my son. And I start sweating. Like, unbelievably so. All of my extremities, like my hands and feet, just go flush. And they're hot. And I'm like, what is happening? You know? And I'm like, this is not good. If I pass out, like, I'll probably fall out of this thing. So I'm like trying to keep it together. And it goes up, you know? And then like I'm up there for a while and I'm just talking to myself. I'm like, I can do this, I can do this. You can get through this. It's only gonna be minutes, minutes, this ride. It starts coming down, I'm like, yes, yes. And then it starts going back up. And I'm like, no, no. And it kept going up and down forever. And I was just talking to myself. I was just trying to get through it, right? Just get through this, push through. You're gonna be okay. Like, and it's not the end of the world if you pass out. And then I got down and they wanted me to ride it again with someone else. And I told Ann, I was like, I can't do that again. I'm just. I'm telling you now, you're going to have to go up. And she was like, fine, I'll go. And then she came down and she was like, whoa, the thing was awful. She had a very similar experience. All adults can't ride that ride. Survival mode, it can be like funny stories like that, but we all know that survival mode can be really serious too, right? That you can find yourself in some pretty scary places. Um, you can find yourself, like, in, in regards to your job, in regards to relationships, um, financial situations, obligations, your health. Um, survival mode can, can set in and it can kick in. And what's crazy is you're going to hit those times where survival mode is almost necessary. Like, your body and your brain and everything kicks into that for a reason to get you through. Oftentimes, though, we tend to linger and stay a little too long in survival mode. And a lot of times, like, we've willingly entered into it as well, right? Like, we chose something. I was talking to someone today about a job. 
and how they knew that accepting this job was going to put them into survival mode. But the money was hard to resist, right? And so they willingly walked right into survival mode. And they've been there for a while. And it's not feeling good. And it's not feeling right. And it's taking a toll on them physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. So when you're in that place, and survival mode is no longer a rare mode of operation, but it's become standard. It's become normal. Anybody ever been there? Because, like, I know I have. And it's happened recently to me. And my body and my heart said, no more. No more. And I hadn't been paying attention and listening along the way. If I had been, it might have not, like, screamed no more. <laughs> but, like, I wasn't paying attention along the way to all the small signs that could have very easily just said, you know what, pay attention. Hey, you know what? This isn't okay. You might need to figure this out somehow. And honestly, I don't even know if I would have been able to figure it out. I'm just going to be honest. We watched a movie called Lady Bird recently. I don't know if you guys have checked it out. I think it's for free on one of them now, either Hulu, Netflix, or Amazon. I don't know. So don't rent it. Like, go find it for free. There's this moment in this show where this girl is like, she's like, in a changing room, she's putting on some different dresses for like prom, and her mom is standing outside, and they're having this conversation, and her and her mom butt heads like you can't believe. And at one point, her mom says out loud, I just want you to be the best possible version of yourself, right? And the daughter comes out, and she goes, what if this is it? And her mom goes, <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? And it's this moment where you realize, like, clearly, like, her mom doesn't think that's the best possible version of herself. And honestly, if we had to, like, push the daughter enough, she would agree. She would have agreed. She knew in her heart she wasn't the best possible version of herself. My therapist recently said to me, Phil, I think you're going through what you're experiencing right now because God loves you enough to not let you continue living the way you're living. And when I think about that movie clip, I just think about that mom knowing that, like, she knows her daughter. She knows her daughter can grow and expand and evolve and adapt and become more. And I love the fact that, like, survival mode isn't sustainable. I like that. I like that. I like that we can actually crash and burn at some point and be pushed, nudged to go deeper and learn more about who it is we are and understand the way that we react and respond to things. God loves me too much <laughs> to let me keep living the way that I was living. We're not designed for survival mode. It's supposed to be rare. It's supposed to get us through some things. But like it's not supposed to be the standard mode of operation. We're designed for thrival mode. We talked about X marking the spot last time too. And I have to briefly mention this because I, I need to get there. My favorite maps are when there's an X and it says, you are here. It really helps me. I'm not like a spatial kind of guy. And like seeing the X on the map lets me know, oh, OK, this is cool. And then I can look around and I can figure things out. I talked about 
using X marks the spot as a great way to understand and observe your current situation in life. And I used the three words, you are here. And we started with here and we said, all right, here's the question, where are you? Are you in survival mode? Are you in thrival mode? Where are you? Then we went back to the you and we said, who are you? And there's some things sometimes that you have to own about yourself. Perhaps it's DNA related. Perhaps it's personality related. But there are certain truths about you that you've been learning and maybe you still have yet to learn about yourself that you should pay attention to. I'm a giver and I tend to give way too much. And I tend to not have really good boundaries. <laughs> These are things that I've learned about myself. So we've got the here, we've got the you, and then the middle part, are. And that was the part for me that implied action. So I was using the question, how did you get where you are, and how will you get wherever you're going, right? It's the action-oriented piece of the equation. I've often found, and I mentioned this last time too, that where, how I got here isn't necessarily working. That's with survival mode. If you can say, here I am in survival mode, more than likely how you got there might not be working. And you might have to actually look at, man, how am I reacting to things? How am I responding to stuff? And then I mentioned all sorts of ingredients that I felt like could be good for thrival. I gave like three last week. I talked about prayer and meditation. I talked about feeling things versus suppressing them. And then I talked about embracing limits. Pretty important. But there could be all sorts of ingredients for thrival, like spiritual practices, um, scheduling smarter. You might be one of the people who needs to schedule things smarter. Um, time in nature, just the ability to express your feelings, creativity, humor, all sorts of things. All of those practices can help you ground yourself and root yourself in those three important questions that says you are here. Where am I? Who am I? And how did I get here? How did I get here? You've got to adventure inward, though, to figure that out. You've got to adventure inward. So tonight, this talk is titled Time to Excavate. Excavate. I lived in Israel for like four months, and that's where I really learned about what excavation is. I mean, people do excavation around here. I get it. The Rocky Mountains, it's tough. But the definition of excavate, literally, I'm going to read it to you. Remove earth carefully and systematically from an area to find buried remains. All right? Definition of excavate. Now, in Israel, I learned about these things called tells because we visited so many of them. And I didn't really pay attention 100%. I was supposed to be doing school there, but you're in Israel. And it's like, you're having too much fun. Like, playing with stuff and, like, tons of ruins. I mean, it's amazing there. If the stuff that was over there was here in the States, it would be behind bulletproof glass in a heartbeat. And you would never be allowed to climb on it like I did. Like, it was awesome. We went to this one tell, and they had excavated and dug down, and they had found a gate, and it was still standing. And they said that Abraham had passed through this gate. And in front of the gate was a little kind of like rope. And it was one segment long, I kid you not. It was like about, you know, four feet long, whatever. Just hooked on two things. You could walk around it. I mean, the gate was right there, and here's this rope that was like, don't go play with the gate, right? Pretty hard to pass up when they said Abraham walked through that. I mean, tough. So the group just walked on. Me and my friends, like, 
hop the little rope and we go take a ton of selfies and pictures underneath the, the gate that Abraham walked through. This pathway that had been uncovered. And all of these tells gave us like really good insight into people and civilizations and how they function and what they did and what they liked. Tons of information. Excavate. Carefully, systematically, removing earth to find buried remains. Buried remains. I'm going to suggest to you tonight, and I encourage you tonight, to do some excavation in your life, in your heart, in your head, in that interior space. First, where are you? Who are you? I listened to this talk by Malcolm Gladwell. Have you guys read any of his books? Oh, man. He's got this podcast called The Revisionist Historian. It's pretty cool stuff. His latest thing that he's all excited about is the word fit. Fit. And like he goes into great detail and he talks about the NBA. He talks about hospitals and he talks about flight crews. And his big thing is looking at right now, you can have an average player on an NBA team and he's got like no future or success and he's underneath this coach and with this team and he gets traded to this NBA team and he flourishes. And he's just like playing transcendently all of a sudden. How does that happen? And he would say it all comes down to fit. The people you surround yourself with and the space that you're in is incredibly important. And it matters more than we think it does. That's what Malcolm Gladwell would say. He goes so far as to say, like, take the same, there's been studies that say, take the same doctor at this hospital, move him to this hospital, and his surgery rate is better over here just because of this hospital and because of this team that he's on. That's it. Flight crews, same thing. If they've worked together and if they're on the right team and with the right company, they flourish. So that question of where am I and who am I, it's pretty important sometimes. Pretty important sometimes to say, all right, so like who am I surrounding myself with and where do I find myself in life? Not only that, am I a good fit? Like with my strengths and weaknesses here. Like do I fit in well with these surroundings? It's worth considering when you're looking at, man, did I end up in survival mode? Where am I at? Is this a good fit or not? Now, second thing though is this. We've all watched people change those circumstances and survival mode follows them, right? I don't know, like I started like a long time ago when we were living here, every now and then we would meet someone and I don't want this to offend any of you, but I've got to tread lightly here, but here we go. It's like you shake hands with someone and they're like, yeah, I just moved here. Oh, hey. And then I, like, I would get to be friends with them and stuff. And then they would move away two years later. And I was like, dang, OK. And then you meet someone else. Hey, I just moved here. All right, cool. Let's be friends. Move. you know. And I was like, what's going on here? And lo and behold, people were trying to find out where they fit. They were, they were like changing their circumstances and the place where they were trying to escape a certain kind of survival mode. They were just figuring it out. So I started meeting people when they said they just moved here. I was like, what are you running away from? You know, like, 
you know, like, and did it follow you here? Because you're still a part of the equation, right? I mean, least common denominator is simply you. Like, I get it. You're trying to find out if you're a better fit, but sometimes you have to excavate a little deeper. So I think it's totally worth considering, hey, where am I, the people I'm surrounded with, and the place that I'm in, and who I am? Is it a good fit or not? Worth considering. However, if you've already considered that, and you've tried a few times, and you keep finding yourself in that space of exhaustion, and depletion, and it's like, oh, you're going to have to go a little deeper because that common den denominator is still you. And I want to suggest that it goes back to that R. You are here. Now we're like to the middle of it or to the thick of it. And it's more about the question of how do you operate? How do you react to things versus respond to things? Because responding is probably better than reacting but most of us are stuck in that place of reaction. I'm going to give you two things tonight. The first one's mindfulness. And I know that's kind of a buzzword, but I'm telling you, I just want to give you something that's worked for me. So I'm going to throw it out there to you. Mindfulness. When Silas was a little kid, he was the first. And so there were no brothers to distract him at all or to make him like think other ways or look at other exciting things. And I remember asking Silas, hey, do you want to walk down to the park? Because we live in the Wellington neighborhood, and there's Little Red. And you can walk down there. Quick, easy walk. You want to go down? You want to play at the playground? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's do it. And then we start walking, and we make it like 10 feet out of the door. And he's like, Dad, look at this ant. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And it's pretty cool. You know, ooh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, come on, let's go to the park. He's like, I want to watch the ant. I'm like, let's, we're headed to the park. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The slide. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we walk a little more. And then he finds a branch, right? And he's loving the branch, and he's digging the branch. And suddenly, everything's about the branch. Walking with a little kid sometimes is like torture. <laughs> because, like, I know where we're going. Apparently, they don't. Like, because everything is right in front of them. We were walking the other day down to the, to the park, and Anne spotted a tree that had purple pine cones. Purple pine cones. And I was like, I kept walking. Like, she was like, did you see that purple pine cones, guys? And Tate's like, oh, purple pine cones. And Lincoln was walking with me. I was like, I'm not stopping for purple pine cones. <laughs> and Lincoln's walking with me, and then we got a little further down, and he was like, what? Purple pine cones? He's like, I want to see them. And he ran back. And I was like, what's the deal? But when I'm mentioning mindfulness, I'm talking about like being fully present to the things that are there and happening. When I was walking with Silas down to the park, like I wasn't fully present. I was totally thinking about the park. I was, I was going there, and I wasn't even here. I didn't see half the things my kids saw when we would walk places or, or experience things because I just wasn't in that moment. Silas always used to never say, he couldn't say like tomorrow and yesterday. I guess they were hard words or something. And he would always say this day, this day. And tomorrow and yesterday almost didn't exist to him. <laughs> it was only this day, this day. And we'd say, oh, we're going to go visit Papa and Gamma. This day, this day? No, 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 no. We're going to go in the summer, you know? 
And he's like, <laughs> I'm like, what is the, I can't even fathom that. Like, it, it doesn't even make sense. I love that about kids. I hate that we pull them into tomorrows and some days and, and all of that stuff because we're so great at that. So mindfulness, though, is all about being here and present in this moment. There's a great book called The, the, uh, the Mindful 20-something. Don't let that stand in your way if you're not 20-something. I've got the book. It's incredible. It's awesome. It's a quick, easy read. Probably one of the best that I've like encountered about mindfulness as an introduction to it. But it's so interesting when you start trying to be mindful of where you're at and of what you're in the middle of. I just spoke with someone who was getting ready to take two weeks off from work. Two weeks off from work. They were super excited. You would be too, right? Like stoked about two weeks off of work. And she was telling me like, oh, when I stepped out of the office that day, I felt so good. Like, I was like, ah. Oh. And then she immediately went to, man, it's going to suck when I get back. And I was like, why? And she's like, do you know how far behind I'm going to be? And I was like, this is horrible. Like, what we do, like, when time off isn't time off, it's actually falling behind. Like, she was able, she knew, like, I've got a good, out of this 14 days, probably got a solid 12 days where I'm going to feel like I'm on vacation and I feel like it's time off. Those last two days, oof, I'm going to start ramping back up, and it's like, I am so far behind. Mindfulness is about living moment to moment. Moment to moment. And a lot of times what you can feel is, like if she was on that vacation and she had time off, on day 12, she starts feeling what's out ahead of her. And she's not even there. But what's out ahead of her and the feelings that she begins to feel affects her present space. And it doesn't allow her to be really there. So what do you do? You let it go. And you just say, you know what? That's not even right now, though. That's not even right now. I'm just going to worry about that on day 14 when I step back in there. And then I'll let it all hit me, like, really hard. When I got these tattoos, they hurt like hell. <laughs> and I kept telling myself, here's what I kept telling myself. Guess what? Hey, this pain, I can handle this right now, though. I wasn't thinking about the fact it was going to take another two hours. But I was like, I can handle it right now, right now. Oh, it's good. It's good. You know, not thinking about like two hours from now, it's still going to be happening. <laughs> but just right now, right here, right now, I can feel it. I can handle it right now. Mindfulness is kind of approaching life like it's a project, a big project, an overwhelming project that if you sat down and you said, all of that, there's no way I could tackle that all right now. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. I don't even know if I could tackle all the stuff that I'm supposed to have today. Again, stop taking on more than you need to. How about just right now, though? Can you take on what's happening right now? Can you enter into it? Can you feel it? And in the book, the 20-something, the, uh, the mindful 20-something, it talks about words like non-judging, non-striving, all amazing words. Like when you get to the heart of them, you're like, oh, 
I connect with some of those words. I don't know about you guys, but like the whole idea of non-judging and non-striving. I want to jump forward with the whole non-judging into this next part because the second thing I want to give you guys is just the idea of pathways. And this has been a big one for me recently simply because I'm, I'm learning that I do a lot of things automatically that I didn't realize I did. And I've had 40 solid years of practice of like creating some crazy pathways for myself when it comes to situations that like lead me down to survival mode. So I'll encounter different circumstances. Maybe it's like a struggle. Uh, maybe it's like something really easy. And for whatever reason, without even knowing it, I always go left, always go left. And now I'm asking the question, but what if I went right instead? Because I know where left takes me. Left always takes me to survival mode. That's where I end up. How in the world can I instead take a right somewhere along these lines? Now, the fancy word for some of this is like neuropathways. I don't want you guys to think about that, though. Because you guys all live here, and so you probably like to hike, and you probably like to bike, and you probably like to ski, and you probably walked trails, and you've been outside. So I want you to think of trails. Because we have a lot of them around here. People get to know them really well. And some people, myself especially, stick to certain ones. Like, and don't even try new ones. And certainly, it's probably not encouraged where we live to cut new trails, right? And to like venture out and figure out a new path. So you can obviously see sometimes where people have already been, well-traveled paths. And people like say, oh no, you should go check out this hike, you should go check out this one. Like go there, and some of the locals don't tell some people about certain trails because like they don't want them to become too well-traveled because then you're gonna bump into people along the way. I want you to think of somehow in your brain You've got these paths, you've got these trails, and you've been on them for a long time. You've gone on them long enough now that like, you don't even have to think about traveling them. Sometimes I get in the car, this is scary. Sometimes I get in the car and I'm going to the post office and I blank out and then I'm at the post office. Have you guys ever had that happen? Like literally, it happens. And I'm like, oh my God, how did I get here? That's, that's crazy stuff. That's how your brain's almost operating sometimes when you get into certain situations and contexts. You just end up automatically, unconsciously reacting this way, right? So me, here's what I do. I find myself in a position where I get a little nervous, a little nervous. And what I would tend to do was I would let all of the feelings come and I felt like what I would do was harness them. I don't think I did, though. But this is what I thought. I was like, I'm going to harness these feelings, and I'm going to use them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel the energy and the adrenaline rush, and I'm going to like almost maximize it. And now I'm going to throw back some more caffeine. I'm just going to like bring on the energy and the power, and now I am going to like deliver. I'm going to like power through this, and it's going to be amazing. And then afterwards, I would like crash really hard really hard. And I developed this pattern a lot. And so when something would feel anxious, and I would feel anxiety, I would like turn my attention toward it, and I would enter into it, and I would like tear it apart, and I would sit with it more and more and more. It was almost like an obsessive thought. And then 
Like you're just like, I'm, I'm worrying about it enough. If I worry about it enough, this is really gonna help somehow. Like it's gonna like, it's gonna do something. And I developed these patterns to where every time anything would hit me that way, I would blank out and I would wake up like in survival mode. And I wouldn't even realize how I got there. It became so automatic and so instantaneous. It just happened. And with 40 years of practice under my belt, man, now I'm a pro at it. So what I've tried to do recently is I've tried to realize that maybe taking the same path isn't the best idea. Maybe it's not going to get me where I want to go, which is kind of in thrival mode. Man, I would love to not end up in survival mode. If I could end up in thrival mode, that would be great, but that does mean a couple of right turns. It means like looking at some things differently. So what do I do now? I feel it coming on, right? Like I just had something happen recently. Someone texted me, emailed me something, and I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, wait, wait. Just take a minute. And I, and I was just like, I'm just going to breathe. That's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to enter into this crazy thought. As much as I know I always did and always would, I'm just going to breathe for a second. Just going to breathe for a second. All right. Still sitting in front of my computer, though, right? So I was like, you know what I'm going to do now? I'll, I'm going to take a 10-minute walk. I'm just going to take a 10-minute walk. I'm going to go outside, and I'm going to take a 10-minute walk. So I went outside for 10 minutes, and then you start thinking about it, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You're like, why did I do that? The computer's at home. What if they text me again while I'm gone? What if, what if? No, I'm just going to take a walk. I play a little bit of music, singing along with the music. Singing along with the music. My mind is still doing its thing, though, you know? And it would keep pounding me. And so eventually, I took, I took out the earbuds, and I just start looking around, trying to be like Silas was. I'm like, all right. Oof, there's a tree. Some pine cones. You know, like, I'm just trying to, like, be a little bit more here and a little bit more with it. And then I came back home. And one of the things like, that I've been sitting with, I gave it to you guys last week on a quote on the board. I said, there's more right with you than wrong with you. And I sat with that for a little bit. Because the person who was texting me was actually kind of insinuating that, like, have I, have I dropped the ball? Have I not dropped the ball? Like, what did I, you know what I mean? And I'm, and I'm feeling this pressure to, like, perform for them, to, to demonstrate that I'm enough, more than enough, honestly. That's where I like to go. I don't like to go with just enough. I like to go with more enough more than enough. And so like, I was just telling myself some of these things and sitting with it just for a little bit before I would like go into it. And simply because my old paths would always lead me down this other way, and I didn't want to end up in that same place, so I was taking all these right turns. And I was trying to get out of this space just a little bit. When I'm talking about these pathways, I'm talking about cutting a new trail, blazing a new path. And it's ridiculously hard because the grooves in my brain go super deep. Like, they're there. And I knew those other paths so well. And to try and create some new paths is really, really, really difficult. But I know where they lead, and so I don't want to go there. So it's kind of like training a muscle. Everything I've read, everything I've practiced, when they talk about mindfulness and they talk about these pathways that you develop, almost like habits, 
kind of like training a muscle. It's kind of like repetition. It's kind of like practice. Because I'm really not good at it yet. But if you stop and give up when you say you're really not good at it, you're already doing something they tell you not to do, which is judging yourself. You're supposed to not judge. So you're just supposed to be like, well, this is hard. <laughs> and if you give up when it's hard, yeah, yeah, it'll never get easy. And you just kind of have to keep practicing. And it gets easier and easier over time. I know what's easy, and what's easy is survival mode. It's easy to spend yourself like that, to get exhausted, to be overworked, to feel depleted of energy, and to find yourself in that space again and again. Because we know that path really, really well, especially living in the United States of America. We get that path. We get it. I would encourage you to maybe, if you find yourself in survival mode regularly, I would encourage you to maybe uh, try some mindfulness, check out the book, consider some new trails. Consider if maybe you find yourself in that place because your mode of operation and behavior is mainly reaction, automatic reaction. And you've gotten so good at it that you don't even realize it's happening. And then so you have to start down the trail of you are here, where are you, who are you, how did I get here? One last story. I've mentioned this one before, but I've got a part two of it that's really fresh. My mom, over five years ago, was diagnosed with lymphoma, stage four. And it was actually when I was getting this tattoo. And I was getting this tattoo to tell myself to be still. I love birds that aren't moving, because I feel like birds are always moving. And like, I'm like, ooh, because they're just so quick. And they're like, you know. And like, birds that are still in grass, that are okay and taken care of. They're not even thinking about where their food comes from. They find shelter. It just happens for them. It pieces together to not worry. First half of this tattoo, I get like three phone calls, and it's my mom calling me, my sister calling me, my dad calling me, and they're all calling me to tell me my mom was diagnosed with this. I was like, oh. And then I didn't finish it until she had gone through chemo and everything and lost her hair. And, um, and then I finished it. And I was trying to tell myself, don't worry, because Hearing that about my mom, that, that can wreck a person, especially me. About a month ago, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was like, what is going on? And I'm in the middle of this, and I know what path I would take <laughs> immediately. And so I tried, I've tried to take a couple of different paths. I've tried to, like sit with it in different ways. I've tried to experience and let those feelings and those emotions kind of be what they are, those thoughts, feelings, and emotions just be what they are, and to sit in a different space and not allow it to pull me down some of these trails that I always go down and find myself back in this place that I just don't want to be. So I've leaned on some people, and I've asked some people to pray for my mom, you know? And what's interesting to me through this whole experience is I had more people asking me how I'm doing <laughs> because they know I can be a nervous, absolute wreck about this kind of stuff. And through this experience, like over this last month and a half and with her surgery, it's, it's been a kind of different experience for me. 
And I appreciate not being pulled to that space as often. Was it every day? New, 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 new. I had some, I had some really bad days where I was in survival mode. I also had some other days where I wasn't. And that felt really good. That made, gave me hope, like, hey, this, I can change my paths here. I don't have to react to this. I can respond to it and choose to respond to it out of a greater awareness, a greater awareness. So resilience is the whole idea of bouncing back. You think of elasticity. You think of something like snapping back to its shape and form. It's the idea of resilience. You start down the path of mindfulness. You practice. You train that muscle. You create some new trails. And over time, what happens is you develop resilience. And that's what we're really going for. Because survival mode's going to come, it's going to happen. You're going to enter into it. The question is, how long do you stay there? How long do you operate in that mode? Can you actually snap back? Can you bounce back? Can you maybe step into this idea of thrival? I'm going to give you guys something to leave with. Yeah. That clock, my clock's four minutes slow. Randy. So tonight, I'm going to actually go stand back at the door. Um, there's a song by Macklemore. If you guys haven't figured it out yet, I like Macklemore. Um, it's called Excavate, right? Excavate. You can read through the lyrics. I don't care if you don't like Macklemore or if you don't like rap or whatever. I would encourage you, find the song on YouTube this week. Sit down with it for me. Take some time. Carve out a five-minute space this week. Take these lyrics. Follow along with what he says. And just be present in that moment. Just be present in that moment. And ask these questions. Where am I? Who am I? How did I get here? And just let the truth of that moment speak to you. Right? About maybe where it is you are, or how you can move to be somewhere else, or owning a little bit of who it is you are, right? Just a little bit more. So you guys get these tonight when you leave. Otherwise, we're off for like three weeks. And we're coming back with a talk that I've titled Permission. And if you want to show up somewhere and get a blank permission slip to do whatever you want to do, you need to be at that one. Because we're going to give you guys permission to do some fun stuff at that talk. It's going to be awesome. So we'll be back in July. We're doing a little two-part series called Permission. Permission. Anyway, thank you guys for being here. I'm going to play some music. Actually, I'm just going to play Macklemore, the song. And you guys can talk, grab dessert, say hello to someone you don't know. And we will see you next time at Mortal Life.